Here's what's coming up on today's show. Look, if you can meet all of your goals, and you can do so where your head can hit the pillow at night and you can sleep well knowing that everything's buttoned up, it doesn't necessarily matter what the returns are. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Welcome into the Retirement Power Play podcast. I'm Ben George with Tim Dyer, Dyer Wealth Management. Tim, how are you right now? Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better, Ben. Glad to talk to you again. I know uh, we're moving on from the playoffs. We're <laughs> heading into the summer. We're going to look ahead at, at vacations and, you know, think happy thoughts moving forward for you, I'm sure. Yeah, I need to shift into that part of the mindset now for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to we have to acknowledge it with the name of the podcast being what it is. So we won't we won't uh, stick around on it too long. But I want to talk to you today about some money mistakes. Uh, you know, we all want to avoid making crucial missteps in retirement. And, and there's a long list of, of things that people could do wrong in retirement planning. Hopefully you're working with someone, a wealth manager like Tim, that can help you get through into and through retirement and help manage your investments properly. But I want to go through five mistakes today, Tim, because you know there's, there's things that people do repeatedly, I'm sure you see, that you just want mm-hmm. to kind of point out ahead of time and, and maybe they can jump on it early. Yeah, this could be multiple episodes, but you know, there's there's some that I see time and time again that maybe aren't the obvious ones. Like we all know we need to diversify, and we all need to know we, we all seem to know that we need to start early, or and even if we haven't, now is as good a time to start as as ever. But there, there's there's some other mistakes that I see too often that people aren't kind of considering, and I think they're just important as kind of the standard ones, you know, that we hear time and time again. And I, I would start with, Ben, the first one that comes to mind is really ignoring the future tax implications of your retirement savings. Okay. And I, I bring this up. I actually just got back from a, a conference in Las Vegas that was, um, we, you know, some of the breakout sessions were about the, the current tax and legislation changes that have both been enacted and, and are kind of working their way through the, the Congress now. But a lot is changing. And you'll hear in the financial media the term Secure Act or Secure 2.0, which is sort of the second version of it. But this is having a major shift in the way retirement funds are uh, distributed and and things of that nature. So there's there's a lot of nuances to it, and you need to take a look at it because the penalties for the penalties for getting it wrong are really high. Um, nobody likes to pay a penalty to begin with, but if you don't, for example, if you uh, inherit money and you don't distribute it in the appropriate amount of time, which in a lot of cases now is 10 years and not your life expectancy, which is may or may not be longer than that, there's a significant penalty for that. So I think that there's a, you know, a lot of things to consider. At a minimum, though, the, the tax implications of, of a 10, 20, 30 year retirement have a much bigger impact than people originally assume. And, you know, that's the bad news. The good news is you can plan ahead for that. You know, you, we, for our clients, we actually do tax projections and we you know, call it under the umbrella of tax planning, not to be confused with tax preparation. That's what their client CPAs do. But tax planning, we, we can actually take their tax return and then 
project out three or five years and model some different scenarios and see if there's some strategies that we can implement to help potentially alleviate some of that burden. And some of those are common, like Roth IRA conversions and things like that. And some of them are um, maybe a little less known, like uh, estate planning and gifting and things like that. So I would uh, remind our listeners to um, you know check in with their financial advisor, but also make sure that that their financial advisor is coordinating with their tax professional. You know, those three components, the client, the tax advisor, and the financial advisor, you really need to be on the same page. So I bring up that one first because I think it's the, it's the most important one because it is going to have the biggest impact. Okay. Um, so let me jump to the second one that I think of here. And the way I, I would describe that one is really focusing on returns instead of income during retirement. Right. Let's unpack that here for a second. Historically, you know, academics used to say, well, we can take out uh, 4% is uh, some people might know this as the 4% rule, but you can withdraw approximately 4% potentially from your portfolio. And, and that seems to be a safe withdrawal rate for the majority of people to not run out of money. That's been tested every which way. And, you know, the jury's still out on that. Um, when a lot of those studies were enacted or done in the 80s, uh, interest rates were 11%. So it, it, it really it wasn't that difficult to make 11% and pull out 4%. The math kind of worked there. But recently, we have seen interest rates move up, but they moved up from essentially zero. So while you were getting zero money on your cash, or your CDs, money markets, 0.1%, um, the, the safe withdrawal rate, if you will, a little tongue twister there, mm-hmm. uh, has been lower, right? A, mm-hmm. It, without you know p- proper planning around this, so I bring this up because it's not as simple as saying, "Well, you know, my portfolio can generate six or seven percent, and I'm only going to draw out three or four percent." Because there's something in retirement that we have that's called sequence of return risk. All right, mm-hmm. and sequence of return risk is essentially saying that if you have uh, you know a ten year period. And you take you were to take the returns of the S and P five hundred. Let's just say uh, what the returns were for you know ten years in a row, and you mixed and matched those returns any which way. You changed the order. You jumbled them up. You know a bunch of different scenarios. The outcome would be exactly the same. Okay. okay. However, that's assuming one thing that there's no distributions. Okay. That's just, if you were to if you were to have plus ten percent plus 10%, you know, minus 10%, the net return for you would be the same as if it was minus 10%, plus 10%, plus 10%, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you start taking distributions, if you are take if in early on when you begin taking distributions, if your nest egg has a large large drawdown or loss in those early years, you're significantly impacting those future years because there's less money to continue to compound over a longer period of time, okay? So in the scenario where we're jumbling up the returns, if you have a period of negative returns at the beginning versus, say, another scenario where client B has the negative returns at the end, the variation between those two examples is enormous, Right. And it, it all factors on what the returns are and the amount of time. But the point I'm trying to make is that even with all of this, when we talk about 
focusing on returns, the risks that come with having negative uh, returns in early years. It's really all sort of falling under the umbrella of we need to focus on income in retirement and not returns. Because frankly, look, if you can meet all of your goals and you can do so where your head can hit the pillow at night and you can sleep well knowing that everything's buttoned up, it doesn't necessarily matter what the returns are. What matters is, is the income that I'm generating enough to live the life that I have in my mind for myself and my family, you know, to last us through those retirement years. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a mindset shift that you have to over overcome. Um, I know it's difficult for a lot of people, but your focus has to be on those returns or on the income yeah, rather than returns. Right. And, and when you think about it, it seems sort of, in, you know, obvious, but you got to remember that people are coming off 10, 20, 30, 40, right. even 50 years of working of pure accumulation where they're just, you know, their mindset has been to just save, accumulate, build, which is the right thing to do in the accumulation phase. The, diff the distribution phase is very, very different. So, you know, you, you, you've got to um, really take into account not only the taxes, but focus on how to generate that income in retirement and not, not so much uh, the individual returns. They have less of an impact that you think. Yeah. So, you know, sequence of return risk in, in that are kind of three and four, I would say. I, I, you know, we could, they could be their own topic, but I kind of put them together. And I'll say that the, um, it leads into kind of number five, which is being too aggressive or being too conservative. Okay. Right? And this is what's tricky about financial services in general is there's no way to make a blanket statement, right? I know plenty of people that are conservative and they'll only buy blue chip stocks, right? And I know other people that say they're aggressive because they're willing to buy a three-year CD instead of a one-year CD, hmm. Right. There's a big difference there. Right? Yeah. A three year CD is dramatically less risky than blue chip stocks. Right. But if you're comparing blue chip stocks to, say, cryptocurrency, that is more conservative. So there's a scale that goes with that. But the point I want to make is that when we're th a lot of times people really don't know what, what the actual risk is in their portfolio. If markets are going up, they don't care what the risk is. Um, when markets go down, in in some cases, they might either choose to ignore it or they might make emotional decisions. But you have to have a framework or you know ba a baseline that says, hey, if things work well, this is the return ex expectation of things. If things don't work well based on this balance or we call it allocation uh, between, say, growth and income and stable value, you know, we expect it to kind of be within this range. And, and that should be a comfortable thing. But a lot, well, a lot of times we find people kind of, we talked about that accumul accumulation phase and then the distribution phase. A lot of people look at that like a light switch, right? Right. You, know, you get to the, you, you accumulate and then you flick the switch and now you're in distribution. But retirement, as we mentioned many times, it's 10, it's 20, it's 30 years long. It's a long time. So I'm 47 now. I can't believe I... Can't believe that. <laughs> Just saying it now. But if I thought about myself twenty years ago at twenty-seven, and I'd like to think my life expectancy is you know thirty, forty years from here. But if I could tell myself twenty years ago, what would you do? I mean, 
we all kind of know what that conversation would look like, right? You know, invest, invest for growth. Don't worry about the day to day, long term. And somebody at, we'll just use this, you know, age 65, you know, they're essentially telling their, you know, they're, they're essentially 80, their 85 year old self is telling them at 65, look, some of this money isn't used for down the road decades and it can, you know, we don't just invest it quote unquote more aggressively for the sake of being aggressive. Um, it's that a lot can happen in that time frame between taxes and inflation and growth or, you know, stocks or index funds. They have the, you know, the leading capability potentially, nothing's guaranteed, but to, you know, help us stay ahead of those things. So a lot of times um, we do see people that are either taking too much risk than they anticipate or somebody that's being overly conservative in, in a lot of times that's just from lack of ideas or opportunities. So, well, you know, Mr. Jones, I see you're, you're sitting on X amount of cash. You know, why is that? I, said, I just don't, I, I haven't found anything to put it in, you know, mm -hmm. and they just hadn't been shown some ideas that are working that fit within that framework that helps them achieve their goals. But also, you know, they're not going to, it fits within that risk tolerance. Right. So, um, sometimes you got to turn that dial up a little bit to, to actually be more conservative, if you will. Yeah, I mean, either extreme is always a bad thing, and, and you can kind of think of that way with with life in general, right? If you go too far one way or the other with with most things you do, it's you're in you're in a danger zone. So uh, that's a good one to go through. Anything else, uh, Tim? What else do you have for money mistakes for us? Well, you know, the, the, we can talk about the list is is endless, if you will. But right. I, I'll say this: just going back for the the five that we talked about. Um, there is a way to you know we've got future tax implications. How do you solve that? Well, again, have a conversation with your tax planner or your advisor. Um, you know, again, for clients that we meet with, we have this discussion to create some estimates on what your taxes will be in the future and what if we made a few changes, what that might look like. I mean, you know, in some cases, people could pay over a million dollars in taxes over 20 or 30 years. And that's not that uncommon. It sounds like a big number, but that, yeah. that's... For a you know upper middle class family, that's very um, reasonable that they would have to pay that over their retirement. Um, so you could see with even a little shift, if you could save 10, 20, 30 percent potentially, I mean that's that's yeah, a money. massive amount. It's a few years of salary. You know, it's maybe a year or two they could retire earlier just because they'd have those savings. So, anyways, mm -hmm. getting that tax review um, and then regarding the investments, I would encourage listeners, you know, to really kind of take a look at their investment positions, right? The stocks, the mutual funds, whatever they own, whether you print out a statement or export it to Excel or something like that, but look at those and make a note maybe next to them and say, do I know what this investment is for? Mm -hmm. You know, is it for growth? Is it for income? Is it, is it for, you know, a, a Vegas slush fund or something? I don't know, <laughs> but do I know? And is it, you know, working towards that goal and what's the risk of owning it, right? Is this something that could drop 50% like stocks did in both uh, the dot-com bubble and 2008 financial collapse? Or is it something that's a little bit more stable that pays income like a rental property or, you know, a utility fund or something of that nature? So, you know, that's table stakes. That's easy stuff for financial advisors to do. Um, and if you're not doing that, well, make sure you get that service completed and yeah. uh so we, we talked about the income as well yeah 
you know, take a look at when you're, you know, we can run scenarios that say, hey, if we have negative years early on, what does that do to the sequence of returns and how does that affect, you know, the, the future cash flows? It's usually pretty dramatic. And then, hey, what are the steps that we can employ uh, or deploy, if you will, to um, make sure that we minimize that risk so that we really don't uh, eat into those, those future cash flows? Right. And that's yeah. just by doing some asset shifting within the accounts, just making sure it's balanced in such a way that the money that you need over the next few years is available and ready and not at the whims of uh, a volatile market. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, some great th things to think about. If you haven't thought about these before and you want to get in touch with Tim, 858-459-3937, or you just want to kind of have him look over things or begin that planning process altogether, whatever it is, feel free to reach out. 858 Four five nine three nine three seven or retirementpowerplaypodcast.com. All right, Tim, great That's stuff. It. As always, we appreciate your time. All right. Talk to you later. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dire Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dire Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dire Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.